0: Tradeswork. The Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Dave DeBeuk. Welcome to Tradeswork, the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association podcast we showcase the skilled trades our society depends on, the women and the men of our industry who build our skylines, build our community, and build our future. Our show starts now. As advocates for the industry and our state, 2022 is a big year, a huge year with far-reaching impacts. In addition to the upcoming election this November, lawmakers just completed a significant legislative session where we tracked issues ranging from fentanyl to unemployment insurance, greenhouse gas emissions, and brand new building codes. Here to help us break it down are two of Colorado's most noted political experts, Kelly Maher and James Mejia. If you don't already know these two, they are delightful and incredibly knowledgeable, qualities we often don't tout in politics today. Kelly Maher is a Republican political expert at Nine News in Denver. She is a veteran of politics, public policy, and the media. On the national stage, Kelly has appeared on Fox News, The Daily Show, and CNN. Kelly is a speaker, writer, and aspiring urban farmer complete with a herd of goats and a brand new duckling. You can read all about her adventures and insights in her substack column, Real Best Life. Also joining us is James Mejia, a longtime Denver fixture and a democratic political expert at 9 News Denver. He is a former front Page writer for Lavaz, Colorado, a weekly bilingual newspaper covering Colorado and New Mexico and a contributor to the Huffington Post online. James has served as a cabinet member for Denver Mayor Wellington Webb. He expanded our Denver Park system by more than 50% in his tenure and managed the building of 1 million square feet in downtown Denver for the Justice Center during the administration of then Mayor Hickenlooper. James Kelly. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us, and let's jump right in.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Good to be here. So, you know, I follow both of you all and know uh, when it comes to politics, uh, you both have very strong views and opinions, but you also are very insightful, and we're hoping to get some of that from you today. What do you think, Kelly, was the most significant outcome of this legislative session?
1: You know, first up, Dave, thank you so much for having us. Uh, One of the great things about being able to be on this podcast with you and with James is that James and I, although we sit on opposite sides of the aisle and are the nine news representatives of our respective camps, we're really good friends in real life. So I love having conversations like this because it gives us a chance to dig into issues in a more significant way, but also find common ground, and work collaboratively. So thank you so much for putting this together. I think if you're looking at the legislative session, there is clearly a lot that has been going on. First off, we're talking about massive budgets, the biggest budget that we have seen in state history. So the question is moving forward through the election, what is that going to look like? we are facing unprecedented amounts of cost of living increases, pressure from both the federal and state governments. President Biden is hugely unpopular across the country and even here in Colorado. And so I think that what we saw, especially towards the end of session, and James, tell me if you disagree with this, but like I think what we saw was Democrats who Weren't exactly sure what it's going to look like after November, trying to slam through as much as they could as quickly as possible while they continued to enjoy both chambers in the governorship. And unclear whether or not they will be able to do so after the election. But it was kind of like a backstop, from my opinion, that, okay, well, hey, we've got all of the levers of power let's make sure that we hit our entire agenda as quickly as possible, as much as possible.
2: Yeah, Kelly, that's interesting. I I, I actually agree with with a lot of that. It, it does seem like the Democrats have doubled down on a social agenda. You know, let's face it, th- these are going to be very difficult midterm elections for Democrats across the country. I, I think it, it might be less problematic here in Colorado. And I, I think Democrats have a very good chance of, of maintaining uh, statewide seats. But the social agenda was absolutely pushed, you know, foot to the pedal uh, this session 450 million in behavioral health, 600 million in housing and homelessness initiatives, um, a statewide equity office, middle class housing authority. The social agenda was shall we call it vigorous this year uh, by, <laughs> by by Democrats and, and it's it, it is interesting to see the the doubling down and the uncertainty that, that you reference for for the midterms uh this November it's going to be an interesting uh environment
1: well I mean and that and that's the thing right is from a mathematical standpoint is it possible even potentially likely that Democrats will maintain the levers of power in Colorado state government like Yes, asterisk, but it seems like the perfect storm of things that could take that away come, is coming to fruition. I mean, all you have to do is go fill up your gas tank and like throw up a little bit while you're doing it to be like, oh, okay, well, you know what, maybe it is time for us to reconsider this. Now, you know, I think ultimately the question is, how does that play with unaffiliated. And the number of people who have moved into Colorado who don't necessarily have the ticket-splitting Western sensibilities that Colorado has been known for previously. And whether or not that new population is going to overwhelm that mathematically. But from just a generic ballot standpoint, this should be a huge wave election. And so I feel like the, the Democrats were like, well, we better just like make sure as our insurance policy that we check all these boxes of our agenda.
2: Well, and, and, and you reference, you know, the, the biggest budget in, in state history, which is true, but it's also the biggest population in state history. You know, we're, we, we've had unbelievable growth. The big question is, who are they? I mean, we, you know, we know they're younger. Right. Uh, we, we know that that tends to break Democratic, but there's some uncertainty about this voting population. It, it'll be telling to see, uh, you know, the vote in November. And then keep in mind that that right on the on the tail of, of, of those midterms is the Denver mayoral election uh, moved up a month. Um, yeah. For, for 23 for, for April. And so a little bit, a little bit of uh, of insight in that is Chris Hansen, who is purportedly running for mayor uh, from the state Senate, Leslie Herod, who is uh, purportedly running for mayor, most certainly, I should say, from the uh, from the State House. You know, they're very excited about the investments that they were able to make uh, in higher ed in K-12 and, and all those social issues that I mentioned. So a little bit of insight into. I love I love
1: that you're such a Democrat. Your investment is my like frivolous government spending, but you know, <laughs> to, to each their own. Yes. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, it, it, and when we talk about uh, the trades and setting up trades, things like middle-class housing authority, that tends to help. If folks can afford to to live where they're working, there's a much better chance that that, uh, that you'll have more applicants uh, for those trades. And and I, and I think those that the more we can create and maintain a middle class in Denver uh, metropolitan as well as the state, the more we'll have success in in, in trades and that kind of thing. So okay.
0: Well, thank you both for your insights. I want to unpack just a little bit. You both mentioned at different times spending and the mass of spending at the state this year. I think we all know that there was significant federal dollars that flowed into the state, uh, three point two billion dollars, um, and then there's additional dollars that came as a result of uh, the transportation and infrastructure uh, bill that uh, was uh, was levied at the at the federal level. So. As you look at the the spending, and we've talked about the social aspects of it. Pick out one or two things, uh, each of you. To, to and we'll start with you, James. Like pick out what what stands out in that budget this year that that uh, you're particularly watching. And, and same question to you, Kelly, when he's through.
2: You know, Dave. One one aspect that that will affect. Uh, the trades and and education are the investments in K-12 and investments in, in higher education. Uh, Colorado is notoriously notoriously a, a low investor in the, the public school system. And there, there's a great deal of energy. There's a great deal of excitement about um, investments that, that were made uh, by this year's legislature. I think that that will have impacts not only on Education at that level, but the outcomes that that produces, and and whether that's housing, whether that's social services, et cetera, um, th- those investments, I, I, I think Democrats are, are very excited about, and uh, see this as as a beginning point of, of trying to come up to goodness. We we'd love to have an average investment uh, compared to other states in our in our K twelve and, and higher ed system, and uh, again, certainly impacts. Everything from elementary ed, the trades and university education, so that that's one aspect in in terms of an investment that uh, that I think Democrats are most excited about
0: Kelly
1: yeah, I mean, actually, the common sense policy Institute did a really fascinating breakdown, not just of budget expenditures but also of state. Agencies that were coming and asking for FTEs. And so what I'm fascinated by on this budget is what is what are the long term ramifications of these things? And, the, and FTEs are a really good proxy for those because the, when you're investing in and I say investing, but when you're growing government by hiring people, there is kind of a Republican adage, which is that like all you can do is slow the growth curve, but that it's almost impossible once you hire somebody, particularly at the state government level, than to fire them. And so I think what we saw were government agencies that were really interested in clamping down on enforcement when we're talking about the greenhouse gas and, and uh clamping down on oil and gas. And I think that that ultimately is going to slow the economy in Colorado and affect tradespeople because the question is like, where are you going to get hired? And slowing the economy and some of the things that we saw in terms of state government I think trying to really put a cooling effect on the growth of the economy. Affects everybody, top to bottom.
0: Yeah, and you know, at least from this simple person's view of the world, um, that three point two billion dollars of cash infusion is you know to be spent for a couple of years, and then you know, if we hire FTE and and build up the you know the the, the employment roles, then what yep. happens in two years when that money runs out, are we going to be furloughing or? or reducing staff in order to balance the state's budget. And those are things that, you know, kind of I thought of as we progressed through this session, this session, sorry.
1: And that's one of the challenges that will just face any any budget, right? When you get this huge infusion of cash and then you are paying for that with people, then what are the long-term ramifications of that and or will... The state government then be coming back to business owners and to the economy and trying to increase their inc- the the money coming into the coffers in order to sustain that, and then it just becomes more of a cooling effect on our economy.
0: So true. All right, so uh, James, we'll start with you on this next one: winners and losers. Who are the winners in this legislative session, and who are the losers?
2: Well, I, I I would say winners are absolutely those concerned with uh, social outcomes in Colorado. And again, I go back go back to behavioral health, housing, and homeless initiatives, and, and education. From the aspect of of uh, of trades work and, and and Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association, one thing that I'd keep my eye on is the ten million dollars that uh, is going to the coal transition worker assistance program. So that is a fund that helps with tuition assistance and apprenticeships, uh, child care assistance so people can make it into the classroom, make it into trades, uh, career planning services, financial counseling, and again go, going back to the housing assistance. So I in, in, in terms of, of winners, social issues, those looking for uh, to improve their condition through education. LeU,
0: what are your thoughts?
1: You know, I guess I guess I disagree respectfully with James's analysis of this because I think the question is a more fundamental one which is who is the correct entity to be doing these things and I would argue that state government and massive growth of state government programs is a not sustainable and b not always the best allocation of these kinds of funds. And so I think if we're looking at the winners, and I and I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, it was clearly the people who wanted to implement widespread, large, systemic government programs. And I think, you know, unfortunately, that seems like it has come at the cost of long-term sustained state economic stability and growth and business owners. And so one of the biggest things was the unemployment compensation issue. And that's going to be a thing that's going to affect business owners and particularly the kind of business owners who are hiring tradespeople for decades to come.
0: All right, so... This legislative session, we have a lot of uh, well-known lawmakers uh, who are going to term out and retire. So, James, who do you think will be missed the most next year?
2: Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you who I think Democrats will miss, will miss the most. If, if, if she's successful in uh, running for, for mayor of Denver as Leslie Harrod, uh, the state representative, uh, trying to move from state government into city government. Um, her, she has tipped her hand with regard to what her platform might be, very strong with regard to community relations and community connections. Um, has yet to be seen how she will relate to the business community to be fair I think in terms of a more moderate republic or I'm sorry a more moderate Democrat, I think the state will miss Alec Garnett, the Speaker of the House. And uh, while some Republicans may disagree with that, I will tell you that he was very much a broker of taking uh, the more left positions uh, from legislators and some conservative uh, and, and Republican positions and tried to, to broker some agreements there with some success. So I think, you know, and he's he's got a very positive reputation, in my opinion, with at least the Denver Business community, I think we'll miss Alec Garnett. And I would be very surprised if we did not see him pop up in some sort of uh, private sector uh, endeavor next.
1: You know, I, in some respects, agree with the Speaker Garnett analysis because I think that particularly what we continued to see from Democrats, and I think most people assume the Democrats will keep the House is that the further left of the Democratic caucus is going to be making pushes to push leadership further to the left. So although I don't necessarily agree with Speaker Garnett on many, 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 many things, <laughs> uh, I do appreciate the efforts that he made in good faith to try to pull Republicans on board the way that he was willing to talk to anybody and keep keep the door open, and in many cases, I think, tried to create a more collaborative environment than just a super far left, we own all the levers of power, let's just, you know, ram through what we want. And ultimately, that is a thing that could have and could potentially happen, Along the same lines with you, James, I think from a Republican standpoint, should she win her primary and uh, her race for Congress, I think that Barb Kirkmeyer has been a really good, just, she's, she's an expert, a great lawmaker. She has friends and works hard across the aisle, but collaboratively and has done a lot in Colorado for a number of years, ballots are going out for the primary, Uh, should she prevail, I think that she would be greatly missed in that caucus because she's very good at having collaborative relationships.
0: Fair enough. Appreciate your insights on that. So one more question for each of you, and uh, Kelly, I'll start with you. What is the one thing, I mean, you both are public-facing and personalities, and we get to watch you on TV and hear you. What's one thing that people don't know about you?
1: There's so many things. I mean, you revealed in the beginning that I am an urban farmer with my goats and my chickens and my ducks and my guinea fowl. Here's one thing that is salient to this conversation. My nephew is a welder, and I have asked him to give me welding lessons so that is a thing that not many people know um in fact only my nephew does so if I end up in the ER that's why probably or I got trampled by goats. we don't know which
0: James you
2: I can't wait to see what Kelly's gonna make uh with her welding work I could use a screen door Kelly so we let me put that uh that request in right now
1: so my understanding, and I am not a welder, although I think a lot of people listening are, and they're probably going to be like, wow, this lady is clearly an idiot, is that the smaller the metal, like the, the thinner it is, the harder it is. Because what can happen is you just basically melt it. Mm-hmm. So um, if you want a screen door that's basically like huge gauge, but I, I feel like welding screen is maybe a tough place
2: to start. Yeah, I hear you. You know, Dave, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm highly focused on, on family these days. I have uh, uh, two girls headed to college in the fall. So I'm, I'm trying to, uh, to take every, every moment between now and then, um, trying to slow down the process a little bit. As much as I'm excited to, to push them out of the nest, I'm, I'm also in shambles and not excited to not have them uh, around on a daily basis. So that's the biggest thing going going on in my world. Uh, other than that, uh, you know, trying to, to raise a, my youngest teenage daughter, that is going to be an adventure. So uh, wish me luck. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to need a a massive support system over the next uh, five years as I get her through high school.
0: Uh, Three daughters. I, uh, my hat's off to you. That is no small task. It's tough. Yeah. It makes welding look easy.
1: (laughs) Uh, I would not trade. I would not trade. Absolutely
0: not. Well, my sincere thank you uh, to both of you for joining us and appreciate your insights. And so that will conclude our show today, folks. Please stay tuned for more industry insights, news, and information about the women and men building our communities, building our skylines, building our future. Tradeswork is a production of the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association. For more information about our organization, please visit rmmca.org.